One day, Indai noticed that more and more people in her community were getting sick. A handful of her neighbors who could afford tests got tested and were positive for COVID-19. In fear of contracting the virus, this urged her to report her LGU in hopes they would screen her barangay. Since cases in the community weren't many, the LGU denied the request. The lack of testing kits made the LGU focus on areas with higher numbers of cases. While on the toilet, as one does, she fell into a rabbit hole of information. She googled and read that a case was found in the University of Arizona, where a sample of wastewater came back positive from the residence hall. Then, all of the dorm's 311 residents were tested. Asymptomatic students tested positive and were immediately quarantined. Due to the early warning given by testing the wastewater, no time was wasted in isolating probable cases that could have spread the virus to countless more people. She also stumbled upon Biobot Analytics, where they found if they look at the amount of SARS CoV 2 virus in a wastewater sample, it actually correlates to the number of people who were tested positive for COVID-19 in the next seven days following the wastewater sampling. She realized that the solution was right in front of her, or rather, below her. And this is... Oh crap! An introduction to wastewater-based epidemiology. Hey everybody! I'm Eli Bautista, here with Gabby Mendiola. And yes, we are about to talk about poop. Wastewater-based epidemiology, which we will refer to as WBE, is a pretty new epidemiological tool where they look at poop to have an idea about the health and habits of people in a certain community. Poop is even referred to as the fingerprint of human activity. In WBE, they look for certain compounds called biomarkers in the poop to know, for example, oh, there's a person from this certain area who has the disease. It answers the questions, who can have the condition? when they have it, and where they are. Okay, to get into the specifics of the process, let's break it down by discussing how it's used for COVID-19 detection. It starts with the sampling plan. First, there's a question of where do we get the sample? Untreated wastewater could be taken from treatment facilities or from upstream in the wastewater network. After getting the sample, of course, they need to be processed. This involves concentrating the wastewater samples so it will be easier to detect the genetic material or the RNA of the virus. Next would be getting the genetic material from the wastewater sample by isolating it with a process called nucleic acid extraction. Once we have the RNA, they can then be measured using a test called RTQPCR or an RTDDPCR. 
These are ideal as they are a variety of RT-PCR, which detects genetic material of the virus. As such, it can confirm a real-time presence of the virus in a given community. Right. And there's also the option to use these things called primers and probes to measure the RNA in the sample. It is shown to be sensitive, meaning that it's good at correctly showing a positive result when the sample has the condition that's being tested for. It's also specific, which means that it's good at correctly showing a negative result for the sample that does not have the condition that's being tested for. You might be thinking, okay, what if they do end up detecting a positive result in a sample? What happens after that? If you want to reduce the risk of infection by detecting a disease early, the positive cases must be identified immediately so they can be isolated. It would be really helpful if the wastewater samples were gathered near a specific area so that the individuals who have to be tested would be narrowed down already. What makes this wastewater-based epidemiology really useful is that it gives us information about the population at a certain place, at a certain time, even up to real-time analysis. Another great thing is that it will give an unbiased reflection of a community's health, exposure, and habits. Right. Since people aren't the direct source of the information, bias can be minimized. That's not all the advantages yet. It is actually logistically easier and more ethical than other methods. A lot of resources are saved because wastewater-based epidemiology is population-based. Take questionnaires and telephone surveys as an example. You will have to contact people and collect data individually. If you think about it, you will need more trained staff to conduct a survey on a thousand people compared to testing a collection of wastewater. But Ellie, as great as those sound, it also has its fair share of cons. First, we have to consider that there's a lot going on in the wastewater matrix. There's a lot of stuff in there other than the specific biomarkers that we want to find. I mean, can you imagine the different things that go down in our drains? We also have to consider that wastewater can be diluted, especially by rain. So again, this will make the biomarkers harder to identify. Even population estimation may be challenging. You have to consider that the number of people in an area can change because of tourists and commuters. And this makes identifying trends in biomarkers harder. For example, if you find a virus in the wastewater, it says that an infected person was in the area and they could have infected other people already, but we don't know if the person is still living there. So far, we have gone over some basics about wastewater-based epidemiology, what it is, how it's done, and its advantages and disadvantages. But I'm sure people will still have a lot more questions about it. So let's now speak to our very own correspondent, a student from the Ateneo de Manila University, Isabel Salsona. Hi, Elian Gabi. The things you've shared about wastewater-based epidemiology sound really interesting. But I know that this may still be confusing for a lot of people out there. First off, some are probably asking, but if the virus can be tracked from poop, won't we be infected by the wastewater too? So I did my own research 
And guess what? The World Health Organization says that there's no evidence that people can get the virus from wastewater. Back during the SARS pandemic, no workers from wastewater treatment plants were seen to be sick. This is reassuring since SARS is a coronavirus, just like COVID-19. Oh, and the wastewater treatment process itself should be enough to decrease the risk of getting infected anyway. There are regulations in place that make sure that wastewater is properly treated and managed. That's great! It really is reassuring to know that no one has to worry about getting infected when handling wastewater samples with the virus. Personally, I also wanted to know if the other stuff mixed in with the poop in the wastewater would affect the testing. How can we be sure of the technique's sensitivity and specificity? Oh wait, I might be getting too technical here. I meant that, how can we be sure that the tests are 100% correct? That it doesn't say that the results are negative when they are actually positive? Or the other way around? I haven't really seen much information about this. But I do know that coronaviruses have greater affinity for wastewater solids. This means that we can avoid false negative results when we analyze the semi-solid sludge instead of the more diluted wastewater. But of course, that's according to my own research. I heard earlier that the virus is effectively detected in wastewater anyway. People might think that it's just too weird to have their own poop analyzed by strangers. Personally, I find no problem with this since it's used for the well-being of the community. And professionals are the ones who handle the wastewater. I think that we should do everything we can to minimize the effects of this pandemic, even turning to poop. Let's remember that if we do end up using this method for COVID-19 surveillance, there will be regulations in place. The government would have to think of the logistics and specifics of its implementation. It's valid to feel uncomfortable at the idea of strangers analyzing your waste, but as much as we can, let's keep an open mind and remember that this is all just science. Well, that's all I have to say. Back to you, Ellie and Gabby. Thanks for that, Sab. Like you, I actually have no problems with having my poop tested. After all, I really see how helpful it would be for our current situation. And yes, the more I learn about wastewater-based epidemiology, the more questions pop into my head. But more of those after the break. Before moving on to the next part of our podcast, I have a short story for you. About 50 years ago, Neil Armstrong and the rest of the Apollo 11 crew took a small step for man by being the first group to land on the moon. But let's just say the footsteps weren't the only thing they left behind. So what are you saying? Are you implying that their poop and pee are just out there on the moon? Yeah, and also vomit. 
What an interesting way to lighten their load. Yeah, exactly. To save weight for their return trip. If somehow NASA goes back and finds that the microbes in them somehow survived, it would open up the idea that life on Earth could have actually come from some sort of alien poop. And if these poop microbes on the moon turn out to be alive, they're more likely to survive in Mars because the environment there is actually more favorable. Well, it would be pretty entertaining to see headlines like astronauts about to go back to the moon to collect the poop of their fellow astronauts. I know, right? That's the thing. Relating poop to anything will most likely make it funny and a little gross. But then you realize it actually has the potential to contribute to human progress. Maybe even a giant leap for mankind. Enough astronaut jokes. Let's talk about wastewater management in the Philippines. For sure, everyone's curious whether this is actually feasible here in the country or not. So in the 90s, water and water services in Manila were unsafe, unreliable, and inaccessible. In 1995, the Public-Private Partnership Center urged the government to transfer water services to the private sector. In 1997, the Metropolitan Waterworks and Sewerage System signed a 25-year concession agreement with the government, which has been extended for another 15 years. The agreement requires the assurance of 100% wastewater collection and treatment for Metro Manila. Really? Is that actually happening right now? Yeah. The agreement is still going on right now because there was a 15-year extension. In Metro Manila, there are 43 sewage treatment plants and septage treatment plants that service more than a million residents or around 9% of the region's entire population. How about the status of wastewater management in the Philippines? Do you know anything about it? As far as I know, only 10% of wastewater is being treated and only 5% of the population is connected to a sewer network. The vast majority uses flush toilets connected to septic tanks. Well, to know more about this, why don't we introduce our next guest, Sharon Parker B. Serbito, also known as Miss Xiao, our guest from Manila Water. Miss Xiao from Manila Water is part of the Wastewater Operations Division. She has been part of the industry that treats, manages, and handles wastewater for 13 years now. She is currently the department head whose core work revolves around performance and planning of various projects and the like in the company. Ms. Xiao, we're so pleased to have you. Glad for the opportunity to represent Manila Water for, for inviting me in this. Then, um, you know, to talk about wastewater epidemiology and wastewater management as a whole. So we, we already know that um, we are in a global pandemic, uh, global pandemic as declared by World Health Organization, uh, and that in in trying to scramble for ways on how to understand and even put a stop into this virus or into this pandemic, people have already started to look into wastewater uh, epidemiology to understand and, and come up with solutions for this virus. And 
um, true enough, we first have to understand what is wastewater and how do we handle and manage this in, in our context in the Philippines. So it's not unknown to to a lot of people. Currently, the wastewater management in the Philippines is one of the poorest in the region. So we know that a lot of people, um, uh, different um, organizations have declared such as um, ADB, um, Water.org, a lot of these organizations have been declaring that we are very poor in the management of these water. A lot of people are not yet connected to ATSN. So we are seeing, we are seeing the likes of um, about millions of people or even um, a, a large percentage of the population in the Philippines that there's still um, predominantly um, predominantly being served by individual septic tanks. So they are not yet connected to a large or, or to a network of these water or storage systems. So that's the current situation of our country in terms of the management of waste water and sanitation. So given that situation and given that a lot of people aren't really connected to the system, like you said. Do you think that wastewater epidemiology is feasible in the country? Yeah, I still believe that we, we can still turn to wastewater-based epidemiology and understanding the different cases of um, not only SARS-CoV or the virus that is plaguing us now. We can still look into it as a very potential um, tool in the surveillance of this thing. So even if there's a large number that is not connected, we can still capitalize on those that are already connected. We can go as far as looking into at least a communal septic tank. We can go as far as um, looking into the areas that are already in the um, um, storage system. So we can start from there. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Xiao, for uh for accepting our invite and giving us lots of insights, lots of new information. And rest assured, we'll be part of the conversation. We'll start the conversation with our podcast. And uh, hopefully, it yields results in the future. So thank you, Ms. Xiao. <laughs> it's the most important part. Um, even just with the, with, with the opportunity to educate people, actually a good start so I hope this reaches a lot of um, listeners or you get a lot of people to, to understand what is the picture of wastewater <laughs> what does wastewater play in, in, the, in understanding the coronavirus we heard that straight from Manila Water wastewater based epidemiology is feasible and maybe it's just a matter of starting the conversation about it and letting people know that there's a place for poop in our COVID-19 response. Months into the pandemic, we still have no idea about the true prevalence or the overall number of people who have the disease. As of recording this, around 2,000 new confirmed cases were reported, but it could actually be more. Well. We have no way of knowing because a lot of people have not yet been tested or reported. Everyone's just constantly afraid that they will get the disease. 
I guess this just means that there's a lot more that should be done to improve the COVID response in our country. Like we have just covered, poop testing can actually be one of them. This will give us population-wide data that can be obtained at a low cost since it involves testing wastewater samples instead of testing thousands of people. In the end, it can give early warning of positive cases. This is possible because its genetic material can already be seen in poop a few days to a week before symptoms start showing. It can also show trends in the outbreak and prevalence of cases. If we could identify areas that are COVID-19 hotspots, our officials would know where to allocate more resources to control the infection. At the same time, we'll know which places are not as vulnerable. Considering that there is an extreme need to keep the economy running, easing restrictions can be done in a smart way. It will be done only in places where it is actually safe to do so. With this, there's no trade-off between health and economy. However, don't get us wrong. This will not replace the RT-PCR, for it cannot provide a diagnosis for every person whose poop was in the sample. But it could be a really good sidekick. Add to that a good contact tracing system, and we would have a better chance to finally get out of this crisis. I guess at the end of the day, this is one area for the government to look into to help make wastewater epidemiology even more accessible and feasible in our country. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And we hope you have learned something from us. Because you'll never know, maybe this could be the chance to secure your community's safety from COVID-19. This has been your host, Ellie Bautista. And Gabby Mendiola. And this is... Oh, crap! An introduction to wastewater-based epidemiology. This podcast was hosted by Ellie Bautista, Gabby Mendiola. Produced by Ellie Bautista. Written by Ray Dacalano. Samantha Mistal, Andrea Ong, and Carlos Palencia with the support of Isabel Salzona.